Hi, my name is Tommaso, your first-year student host for the My First Year Story podcast. Here, I'll be sitting down with people who have the answers to your college questions and who can help me survive my first year as a University of Connecticut student by telling their own first-year stories during our conversations. While her hometown is in Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, Myra Serrato is currently a junior at UConn double majoring in psychology and human development family sciences. Myra actually started her college career at UMass Dartmouth before transferring to UConn Stanford and then stores in the spring 2020 semester. Since coming to UConn, Myra has been a part of the UConn Jumpstart AmeriCorps, an organization that provides language, literacy, and social-emotional support for preschool children in communities that need it. She also participates in undergraduate research and is a McNair Scholars for first-generation students pursuing STEM. Thank you so much for joining us today, Myra. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners' name, major, pronouns, and favorite historical time period? So hello, everyone. My name is Myra. I am a Psych and HDFS major. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And my favorite historical time period would be the 20s, the 1920s. Not the 2020s. <laughs> not the 2020s, absolutely not. 1920s, you know, a lot of things were happening for women at that time. A lot of the conversations that weren't coming up came up then. And so that would probably be my favorite. Yeah, a real pivot in. I would have to say, even though I would say the 70s, you know, like Summer of Love, then I would go back to then. But let's jump right into our conversation, Myra. Okay, so starting off, let's talk about your educational journey. Um, how did your journey lead you to UConn? What were some experiences transferring from not only institutions, but from the Stanford to the Stores campus here at UConn? Any challenges like that? Um, well, what led me to UConn was kind of like a mistake I made early on trying to select and like do schooling. So as a first-gen student, I kind of like selected all the schools that I applied to and then decided on a college like all by myself. I didn't really like mm -hmm. ask anybody about it. I kind of was supposed to like have it all figured out. Um, so even though we did meet me and my mother with a financial advisor in high school, and I thought that all the money was set up, I was at the end of that first semester at UMass, there was $3,000 I owed. And it was very scary. I thought I was completely covered and I was just like really freaking out at the time. So then I had to, between my work study, regular job and my scholarship that I receive now, I was able to negotiate with them putting my money towards the school bill and transferring to UConn was more efficient, like affordability wise. So I ended yes. up coming here. It was very great after that because it was like, after that, I kind of knew, like, based on the student admin, how much it's, like, better set up at UConn. It was, like, a clear mm -hmm. breakdown of how the money transpires and what it will happen with it. So it was a lot easier for me. Like, then going out there, I was already, like, struggling with homesickness out there. So yeah. then I finally so you're came closer here. to home. Yes, it definitely helped a lot along with the money. Like, it was just something about being closer to home that helped. Um, as far as, like, the difference between changing campuses, that was probably bigger because I was back home when I went to Stanford because, mm -hmm. you know, Norwalk and Stanford are like neighbors. So it was very easy for me to go back and forth. And then it was like, OK, I reached that. I knew exactly when I would reach the 54 credits because I took six classes that fall mm -hmm. just so I can get here by the spring. And this being back at a huge campus again, <laughs> being back at like learning a whole new map, learning about teachers and all the like, re like there are so many more resources out here for me to do outside mm -hmm. of class do like the research, the AmeriCorps, all these things that were not available at the regional campus. So I think that was probably the bigger change was going back from being something so small to then, oh, wow, stores, a little bit um, intimidating at first. 
Yeah, and then and then to only be put into March, March 2020 was then the end of that campus. But at least you got a little bit of a taste. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, and so speaking of the pandemic and all of that, how did um, the pandemic make your transfer experience unique, both academically and socially? I know I um, I had actually toured the Stanford campus and Stanford and Storr seem to have very different environments. What was one thing that helped bring you stability during these crazy, hectic pandemic times? It was definitely like across all the institutions I went to, um, I got to keep a very close knit like conversations with my mom and my younger siblings back home. And I feel like that probably brings me a lot of stability, like when things around me are not maybe as I want it or as perfect as they can go, or I get upset about a grade, like I'll just call one of them because someone's always available. Yes. <laughs> and as soon as I call them, it's like they can make me feel better about it. They're like, you know, you're out there, you're trying your best. And you just have to keep doing that. So I think they probably are the best part and have brought me the most stability. Um, academically, that first semester, the, when I came out here and then also got the campus closed and that's when everything was transferring online, I was probably a lot more spooked and thinking, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm not going to learn the same like as another student may who's like still in in-person classes right now. I was like much more concerned and probably a lot more like depressed in like different like increments just realizing oh this is so much longer than everybody's like acting like it's gonna be everybody's like it'll be all over soon it'll all be over soon yeah and that fatigue not. definitely sets in <laughs> so it's like oh i'm starting to feel down like this might be how i graduate which like i would say was more of a concern that first semester in the spring 2020 mm -hmm. compared to now where it's like even if this happens i feel like a lot more prepared i feel like i'm doing a lot better with the academics online like i've learned how to adjust yeah for sure and it's definitely important to have a really strong support system i know as a first year student myself it was definitely difficult coming to campus and not knowing anybody and definitely relying on that familial support um so that's good that you have that and had that in the past um so talking about your major psychology and hdfs um, what kind of went into you choosing that major and um, what are your kind of hopes for the future? Like, where do you plan to go with that, those degrees? So I like chose psychology for myself, like in seventh grade, like I said, I was going to be a psychologist. So I was like looking at grad schools as a seventh grader, very like maybe dorky <laughs> of me, a lot different from my peers, but it was like, you know, nobody in my family did go to college. So anything that they were doing, all they ever did was encourage me to do something bigger than that. Go pursue a career where you have to learn about it first before you can do it and like find excitement in it and whatever you do. And once I finally went to high school and I took that first psych course, I was like, oh, I'm sold. Like there's no part mm -hmm. of this that's boring. And even if I'm like more focused on like child or clinical developmental psych, like all of the psych fields are still like, they bring a lot of interest for me. So that's when I kind of decided on psychology. And then the double major, when I got here at UMass, there was no such thing. So developmental psychology, everything's just under one psych class. But then HDFS, human development, family science, I was like, I need to get to know more about that. And as far as for like psych requirements, those classes from HDFS can be used as like supplemental 2000 plus courses. So in a related mm -hmm. field. So I took first the lifespan, the individual lifespan course. It was like 1070. And I took that at Stanford. And from that moment on, I was like, well, this is actually what I'm trying to gear to. Like everybody talks about psych being so broad. And then there's like cognitive psych, clinical psych, like it breaks into all these little subfields. And mine, I want to deal with child and families particularly. So that's why I chose 
that as my second major. It gives me more of a direction and I think it might give me a leg up when I apply for grad school. Yeah, and right right now I'm taking Psych 1100 and I have my midterm this week and it definitely is so broad. There's so many different avenues that can uh, avenues that you can explore. So that's really good that you found that double major when you kind of got to UConn and were able to realize that was your that's the path that you wanted to take. Um and you you mentioned how um, you kind of have a better grasp on these like online academics and you're not feeling as stressed or pressured as you were earlier in the pandemic. Um, did you ever feel discouraged in your studies ever, especially being in STEM and not being able to do um, clinics and stuff like that? And how did you overcome that? Discouraged during the st- So I would just say like those days where like I would say even like the seasons, like, you know, around here, it's very cold. It gets dark early mm-hmm. like that. Like that part of the semester, I'm just like my overall energy always seems to feel lower. And then on top of that, not being able to socialize, not being able to meet with friends right after school started. Like, you know, those things were definitely like a bummer. But at the same time, I think that hanging on to going out with my dog every day, that's like something that like for some reason brings me so much joy. I'm in the house looking at the screen all the time. And I would say it probably makes me more tired, makes me a little bit more cranky than I'm like this all day. So then yeah. he'll just go to gnawing on me and he'll be like, let's go outside. So then I'll take him for a nice walk. The fresh air, even though I hate the cold, it like brings me something like it's like, okay, I can do this. It's it's everything's still happening. Every like world is still going on. I need to go on. And eventually we should and will get back to some type of normalcy. So I just take longer walks when I'm feeling a bit yes. more stressed. I'm like, I just need to stay out here. I need to get away from the computer, get away from my phone because I think more now more than ever, I really can't stand looking at multiple screens at once. So just being able to disconnect completely and go outside and do something, I think that's probably like helped me a lot overcome like being stuck in here and being just academic, academic, work, work, work. Like mm-hmm. I need to do something outside of that. Yeah, it's definitely super draining. And just to let all of our listeners know before we started our interview, um, Myra actually, um, Jasper, her dog is sitting right next to her. So... <laughs> Um, and I'm super interested in your HGFS research and the McNair scholarship. Can you talk more about your research working with Dr. Stephanie Milan? Um, is it virtual? And if it is, how has that been for you? So she's actually from the clinical psych program. And so her research right now, we're working with some of the struggles that mothers with PTS feel because of that, like some of the just added struggles that they have. So it's like all virtual as it has been for now two semesters and like while i thought that would be weird i guess because i had started that way it kind of just felt easy to jump into like hey like this is the only way i've seen it so qualitative coding looking at responses and then putting in the codes that was like the first semester probably intimidating i was like oh my god she's really asking stuff of me not just literature (laughs) review or something you know that maybe i thought i would get into first but um it's actually really exciting it's really uh, we have like conversations at that time like every few weeks about the codes we had just did any concerns we have talking about ptsd as a whole like what that means and then like what the next steps are um i think even though it's virtual it's probably easier than my classes (laughs) doing like this type of virtual setup with a meeting of much smaller group of people so there's a lot more like conversation going on rather than just listening (laughs) yeah and you've definitely probably um correct me if i'm wrong but definitely built up a rapport over two semesters versus like a class that is a lot shorter um and that is another good like stability and like um resource for you um and how has research that involves people and their experiences um differ from other types of STEM research? 
I would say being a part of McNair, like right now, we're all figuring out what our research papers are going to be and moving forward and like collecting journals and things for it. Um, mm -hmm. When you hear about someone who's like in microbiology or you hear about someone in physics like, and you hear about their science interests that, you know, the vocabulary sounds a bit larger and a little bit more scary when you hear it yeah <laughs> and i would say that like when you think about the math involved it seems so much more like complicated whereas for me it's so like for some for some people from what i've heard it's easier to deal with it that way just dealing with like numbers and then for me i feel like it's the opposite i actually prefer and i feel there's more value in the qualitative responses being able to think what people think rather than just like looking at a number and then feeling like you have to choose one of those options because mm -hmm. like it can be either or in my field. It can be quantitative or qualitative data. But I already like maybe because I've started with Dr. Milan and looking at qualitative coding, that's kind of where I'm like, okay, there's a lot more value in this type of information. Yeah, and that qualitative um, coding probably definitely leads you to better um, conclusions and stuff because you it's more personal than just numbers as data. Um, and for those of us who are unfamiliar with the McNair Scholars Program, would you explain to our listeners what that is and how you got involved with it? So a friend of mine was the like it was a couple weeks before the application was due and I was still kind of like new to Yukon so it's like a lot of these things had passed by me AmeriCorps I almost I missed the first deadline to join when I first came because it was like mm -hmm. something that you needed to have established in the fall and so when I came around again I was like oh I have to hop in on this and McNair came around the corner and I was like oh trying to balance between applying for Jumpstart and also McNair and I was like nope I'll put the time in but McNair is basically trying to help anybody that kind of belongs to like a minority group, which can include even being just a first generation like student, they're trying to help you if you're in STEM research, they're willing to help you with internship opportunities, they'll help you into grad school, which is like a major point of McNair is first students or people that belong to minority group students that want to go above and go into grad school and pursue more education in some type gotcha. of STEM related field. So it's really been beneficial, especially for like GRE help, which is coming along or like even we're right now yeah. doing an assignment regarding financial literacy. So it's talking about credit cards. It's talking about loans, it's talking about car financing, talking about things that are just going to prepare you as you move on. So they're like with you every step of the way, even after you graduate, which I probably like enjoy the most is knowing that like someone, even though nobody else has gone through this process with me back home, at least someone will like be around my someone side and give me support. Yeah, someone that has been through it too at that. It's like much easier. Good, good. And what would you say to someone, a student who's interested in applying to McNair Scholars Program? Probably that like when I first looked at the application and the idea that like it's still an application process, so it still is selective and you're like, oh, I might not get into that because I'm only like a first gen student or I'm only belonging to one minority group. But it's not really about that. What they really care about is do you have an interest in research? Do you have mm -hmm. an interest to move forward in education? Do you want to do more? And like why? If you give those explanations, if you can like dive deep into those, I think you'll most likely be a part of like a nice family because it's like it goes beyond or undergraduate like studies. So I think it's definitely worth it. Amazing, amazing. And talking more about your AmeriCorps Jumpstart, that part of your life, why and how did you get involved with Jumpstart AmeriCorps? 
Um, so when I first came here, spring 2020, I had like called that first week looking for a work study and I found the library at that time. So that was like mm -hmm. a great like resource in general because I was learning about the databases through them, even though you learn it like through your English classes or like research classes, like they gave me a lot more information. And that included like connecting me when they found out my major, they were like, oh, there's so many things you could do. Started moving around the Yukon website and connected me to Jumpstart. And I was like, wow <laughs> they like for one they know everything that's going on in the school <laughs> and two mm -hmm. um you know i was trying to do something back home there was like another type of mentoring a mentorship back at uconn stanford that they do for like surrounding middle schools but i kind of like because of my schedule at the time i was taking six classes i was working at a pizza shop there was like no time to really like get myself there at two at that point mm -hmm. it was like going around stanford to these schools so then when I came here and I found something with even smaller children, early childhood education and the idea of like working in a daycare, but to give them that first leg up, because I feel like especially through my studies, there's been a lot of focus on how that early education can make such a big impact, even for so these lower important. income communities, give them that leg up that like, you know, there's still a gap in kindergarten, but we're mm -hmm. doing something to better that and close it, you know, so I think that alone was like encouraging me to, to apply. And then when I finally had the phone interview and she told me, yeah, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to be able to see the children this first semester because obviously everything was closed down, but that we will be working into and eventually we're doing it now, like virtual like daycare yeah. almost, where like we get to see the children, read books with them, play games, sing songs, talk about like community workers, fingers and toes. Like we're just giving them all the first things they ever really need. And I think it's been so rewarding and probably like Tuesdays and Thursdays are like my favorite days of the week because we get to do those sessions. That is so great. And definitely access to early, um, early childhood education is I think as important to the families as it is to those students because that frees up a lot of time for those parents to go to work to and to help support their family. So that is so amazing that you're involved with that. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your experience? Like, how do you keep preschoolers entertained? What are some of the things you do on the daily? So it used to be that like back when it was in person, before I even joined, it would be like an hour and a half, a couple days a week, you would have been going to the classroom. Now they're almost kind of like Blue's Clues segments where they're like 20 minutes long. We have 20 minute <laughs> sessions to speak with people that are not in the classroom, but still want to make it fun. So like for me, I always try and make like whatever my background is. I try to make it like really pop in like, uh, you know, the virtual backgrounds there are. I just yes. try to make it so I'm a little bit more exciting. And then like we always have a plan of what we're going to do in these 20 minutes but we're willing to like be flexible if we see the children are getting a little bit antsy in the book we'll speed it up and then we'll play into the games that are supposed to be attached with it or the songs they love love singing Amazing. so when we do those together it's like i know that i'm doing something that's you know giving them a break we're moving around in the classroom trying to incorporate more activity obviously so that work even though it's online we're still trying to make it as fun like the best 20 minutes of your day like you want to look forward to jumpstart coming in the classroom <laughs> yeah and that sounds really rewarding for you too what does being a part of americorps jumpstart like mean to you um, even though I know for me, like as much as I do love children and families, like as I said, that's like a very special interest of mine, especially for the lower income communities. Um, I knew I never knew, like, I didn't want to be a teacher. Rather, like, mm -hmm. I wanted more focus on how I can maybe 
affect policy regarding families so that they can have better access to childcare or even something like uh, reforming maybe the curriculums that are in like Head Start or things like that to put that leg up, like to do more. So me just being in this program and like doing the trainings with them and then actually working with the children, still getting that experience to see what that dynamic is like. I feel like it's giving me a lot of insight on like, you know, what I can do in the future. Like seeing the kids always puts a smile on my face regardless. Like I do enjoy like just seeing them for those 20 minutes and then being like, hi, Miss Myra. Everybody's so excited when we come on TV. Like it's it's very sweet. <laughs> it's really that rewarding sounds, for sure. That sounds amazing. Um, and you just mentioned about like your future career and stuff. Do you think your um, experience with Jumpstart AmeriCorps is definitely helping you um, for that future career? Absolutely. Because even though, um, like I would say, my ultimate goal is a child psychologist or like mm -hmm. a family therapist of some sort, um, there's so many things I want to do outside of that. So I do want to get influenced, like influence policy and curriculum and education. I do want to work with families even to the point where like I would consider social work maybe before mm -hmm. becoming a clinical psychologist. Like I have like a list of things I want to accomplish over this long life of mine. So that includes, uh -huh. yeah, maybe touching some policy and touching some curriculums and seeing how we can do better. Good. But I think and, the jumpstart um, is definitely going to help. <laughs> And how can other students get involved with AmeriCorps Jumpstart? Um, so how did I get it? Um, I originally, there was an email I sent out to Jasmine Clayton. Like when I had first mm -hmm. found out about it, I was like, I'm not going to wait to see when the applications come out. I'll just email her. That's when she told me I had sadly like missed the deadline, but that she would make sure to put me on the list for when the applications next come out, a list of emails that they'll be sending them to. So as soon as I did that, and she reached out to me, I immediately filled out the application like that day. So if you like just go out of your way to like look up Yukon Jumpstart and email somebody in the office, Jasmine especially, um, you'll get a lot of helpful information to know that one, this is like a year long commitment. Okay. So it is something that like once you sign up, you'll be committed to doing a certain amount of hours throughout this time. And even there's like possibility for some type of grant or award at the end if you do a certain amount of hours. But um, the way to reach out to her would probably be email right now, especially like email is probably yeah. the fastest way because Jasmine gets right back to you. <laughs> All right. So you heard that listeners reach out to Jasmine. <laughs> um, and then kind of wrapping up this part of the conversation, do you have a favorite memory or um, a favorite time you went into the classroom with um, Jumpstart AmeriCorps? What's one thing that kind of you bring to mind? Hmm. Just thinking because like we've had some snow days. So like some days have been messed up a little bit. But um, even when we just try to start off class differently, because we have meetings right after these sessions to talk about what we could do better or what we should implement. And like the very first day when we were asking children to do like attendance, like we just, you know, it might take up a couple minutes, but they get to come up, say their name. And then something like we would ask, provide me your favorite color, or your favorite animal. And like every child after the first child would give like another thing. So if it's like my favorite color is red, the next child is like red and green. And then it goes like red, mm -hmm. green, purple, or <laughs> like with animals, like they just keep upping it and they just want to talk to us so much one child was like i wish you could come in for valentine's day you know and Aww. give you a, a gift basket or a gift bag and it was just like those little moments where it's just you know even though we're not as exciting as blue clues or a cartoon like they know that we're real people and that they really like would love to have in more interactions with us more so i'm hoping like maybe down the line if it's still online they'll increase this time period that we yes. have yeah, and I think um, we talk a lot about the silver linings of like what is going on right now. And then to this may be one of those that you have a longer time period with them or 
um, that broadcast really means a lot to them. Um, so kind of going to our closing questions, thinking more big picture as someone who's been to um, a different, a bunch of different settings for university, what do you think the purpose of college is? I would say to find what you enjoy and then hopefully you can make that into a career because obviously yeah. we can find a lot of things that we enjoy. I enjoy music a whole lot, but I'm not a singer <laughs> and that's <laughs> fine because I found something else that, you know, when I right now, all my classes are HDFS and psych. I took out a lot of my gen eds those first two years. So right now, even though it's like, you know, I'm still inside, it's still like, you know, the pandemic's going on around me, things are going on around me all the time. There's excitement when I am like in these classes learning things that I want to learn, things I know will make me a better clinical psychologist, therapist, or at any point to better influence families as a whole. And that's so great that you have that clear, you have such a clear goal, a clear end game in mind that it's it must make every little step of the way feel like like you're working towards something versus I know for me personally right now, this semester has gone and has gone really stressful and stuff. And it feels like there's no real end in sight. So I think that is a great, that's a good piece of advice to just make, make sure that you're working towards something in the end. To take something from literally every predicament. So yeah, things might not be great or I might get things that I don't enjoy, like, you know, lower grades and I really want, but then I will go over that information, realize what I messed up on. And I'm like, okay, I can take this and it'll still apply or it'll still be relevant later in life. So this test grade or this assignment grade might not matter, but the material did. And I'm going to take as much of that and try to remember it as much as I can. Gotcha. Um, and so um, considering the namesake of this podcast, My First Year Story, um, this is our signature question for all our guests. We're all first at something, whether you're the first person in your family to go to college or something else. What do you feel like you've been the first at and how has that impacted your life experience or your life story? Um, so out of, let's see, I have four younger siblings right now and mm -hmm. also my baby brother, my baby cousin TJ, who's living with us back home. So I have all these people, I feel like all the time looking up to me to see what I'm doing because I am the first one to leave the house and go to college. I'm the first one to discuss grad school. I'm the first one to talk about FAFSA. You know, I had to learn a lot of these things like through my counselor. I made so many sessions in high school with my counselor and she would be like, you know, we need these spots for other people. I'm like, yes, I understand, but I really don't want to go into this blindsided by things I might not know. So it was like, making sure that I got as much information as I can just so that I can provide them with better information about it. My sisters, mm -hmm. she might not want to go to college per se, but she's now talking about cosmetology school. And if not that, then I have another sister that wants to do another type of like sec, like after high school graduation, they have plans as well. So I feel like Good. that always pushes me to like, even with those hard days, I'm like, I have to continue standing strong and doing this because they're looking at me and they're still waiting to see what happens with me. <laughs> yeah, you're not just doing that for yourself. You have, you have, you're doing it for all of them. Um, so what is one piece of advice you would give to me, a first year student, about adjusting to college? Hmm. Uh, that is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the like first piece of advice, one piece of advice I would give. Um, don't like I for me I was very specific about all my classes like I only wanted to pick classes that I thought would utmost apply to whatever field I was going to go in what career I was going and then I yeah. took like um a particular like women's gender studies class and I took like a sociology class I took classes that were outside of that that like still brought me major insight to maybe not exactly my field but what's going on in the world to think about 
while I'm doing this, like what my mm -hmm. part will be in all of that. So I would just say to not be so narrow minded. Like when you're choosing your courses, don't choose them so like willy nilly. Like when you're choosing these gen eds, you should really think about, huh, well, I can maybe gain something from this. And like, why? And then I'll make the like class a lot easier to go through anyway. Cause you hear people say, oh, this is such a hard gen ed to get through because it has no interest to me. But then it's like, you can find like things that relate. So you just have to go make sure you do that so that the classes yeah. are interesting. And we're so lucky to go to UConn because the course catalog is is huge. And those gen eds, if, you, <laughs> if you're interested in something, there is a gen ed for it. <laughs> for um, sure. And so now is the time in the conversation where we kind of flip it around and I let you ask me a question. Um, so fire away. So um, are you currently right now in a dorm or are you at home? I'm in a dorm. I'm on campus. So I only did the dorm situation at UMass and that was for one semester. And I had some horror stories there. Like my first night, the like at two o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm went off. Oh my goodness. <laughs> On my first night. So I was freaking out. So how is the dorm life, especially as a freshman? Dorm life has definitely been different than what I was expecting to be in high school. We're all everybody's in singles, so no roommates, and the floors are a little bit emptier. Um, but overall, I I haven't had any bad problems. The only problem was the showers definitely were not running super hot last semester. So a cold shower every once in a while was the sort of pain I had to endure. But uh, oh no horror stories I can think of, <laughs> which is good. Um, well, anyways, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. It's been a pleasure and a joy to talk to you. You seem like such an inspiration for your whole family as well as those little kids that you work with at Jumpstart. Um, and to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in with us today. And as always, like we say in our podcast, peace out Huskies. Peace out Huskies. The My First Year Story podcast is a production of the University of Connecticut's undergraduate student body in collaboration with the Office of First Year Programs, Learning Communities, the Academic Achievement Center, and the Learning Community Innovation Zone. Our co-producers are Casey Jaycox and Hannah Peterson. Our staff advisors are Cody Ryan and Helena DeBald. For more information on our podcast, to meet our entire staff, and to listen to more episodes, visit fyp.uconn.edu backslash mfys. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UConnFYP.